Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to the marketplace. In this edition, Ghana's economy expands by 3.2% in quarter two of 2023 compared to the same period in 2022. Given that the economy grew by 3.2% for the second quarter of 2023, this growth rate was largely led by a contribution of 1.42 percentage point for information and communication. IMF officials expected in town this weekend for first review of Ghana's program. Plus, Intelligence Economic Unit revises its projected depreciation of the CD to the dollar in 2023 to about 23%, but the local currency will become the third weakest in Africa. We have details of these and many others lined up for you. Please stay. Hello, welcome back. I am Pius Kojo Baka. Onto our big story we are following up for you. Provisional estimates from the Ghana Statistical Service indicates that Ghana's economy expanded by 3.2% in quarter two of 2023 compared to the same period in 2022. When seasonally adjusted, the real GDP increased by 0.7% in quarter two of 2023, a 0.1 percentage point lower than what was recorded in quarter one of 2022. The services sector recorded the highest growth of 6.3%, followed by the agricultural sector with an expansion of 6%, and industry with a contraction of negative 1.9%. Here's government statistician Professor Samokobneni. Net indirect taxes, which is the difference between indirect taxes and subsidies, amounted to 13.9 billion for the second quarter of 2023. From a seasonally adjusted point of view, the second quarter of 2023 recorded a value of 45.7 billion for the second quarter of 2023. From a trend perspective, this is the second consecutive. This is the second consecutive time that we've seen a slowdown in the quarter-on-quarter GDP in the last three quarters, peaking at 1.0 for the third quarter of 2022, slowing down to 0.8 for the first quarter of 2023, and further slowing down to 0.7 for the second quarter of 2023. From a contribution perspective, given that the economy grew by 3.2% for the second quarter of 2023, this growth rate was largely led by a contribution of 1.42 percentage point for information and communication, followed by crops and cocoa 0.97, mining and quarrying 0.48, and the last of the five subsectors that contributed to the 3.2 growth rate that recorded for the second quarter of 2023 were health and transport and storage, which contributed 0.39 and 0.3 percentage points to the 3.2 growth rate that recorded for the second quarter of 2023. The economy, the subsectors that contracted the most or contributed to the slowdown in the growth rate was led by the construction subsector, which contributed 0.99 to the slowdown that we saw in the economy for the second quarter of 2022. All right, so let's unpack all these figures and get it 
better appreciation of it. Joining us via Zoom is economist Dr. Patrick Isumin to help us understand all of these. Uh, pleasure you could join us here on the marketplace. Even before we get into the various sectorial contributions to the overall GDP, where we recorded 3.2% expansion for quarter two, would you say this is impressive? Right. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to viewers. Thanks for having me. So I think the, the overall number, 3.2, you might think is impressive, but I think when, when you begin to unpack it, you realize that there are still significant weaknesses in the economy. This doesn't, in any way, the, the headline number doesn't tell the true, the true picture of how the economy is, is doing. We have to understand that the first thing to note is that the first quarter growth itself has also been revised downwards. Mm. So if you check the number, I think it's been revised from 4.2 to about 3.3, which shows that uh, the economy didn't do well in the first quarter as we previously thought. Mm. And, you know, ordinarily, if we were not in the IMF program, you would have said, well, 3.2%, given how the economy performed, and the low base we are coming from, 3.2% is usually not great. But I think the headline number, like I said, doesn't really tell the full picture of the weaknesses that are in the economy. Then I guess it is insignificant to the economy, right? Well, so you don't want to say it's insignificant. I think when you see that, you know, the economy has 20 subsectors. Mm. Six of them saw negative growth. Six of them saw a contraction. So, yes, a few sectors have seen high growth, but and that has contributed to the overall number. But I think you can't just focus on the overall number and say uh, the economy is, is recovering well and is doing well. All right, so let's come to the sectors. Services sector recorded a rate of 6.3%, followed by the agri-sector sector with 0.6.0%, uh, and, of course, the contraction we witnessed in the industry sector. But let's hold on with the contraction with the industry sector. And let's talk about the services sector and, of course, agriculture. Uh, any surprises? Uh, no, 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 not any major surprises. I, I think that I, ICT communication has really recovered strongly. I think it's the subsector that saw the highest growth. And, uh, but you do see that the sectors that are controlled by government still contribute substantially. So if you talk about public administration, you talk about health and social services, you talk about education, these are sectors that government plays a strong role in. And you see that those are continuing from what we saw in the first quarter. Those are the ones doing well. So I think you know, the services sector is generally more resilient, but you know, I think when we look at the other subsectors, then you begin to see where the troubles really are. Mm. Let's talk about the trouble this time around. Industry sector, a contraction of negative 1.9%. What could be accounting for this and what happened to our industrialization drive agenda over the period? Yeah, I think this is, this is where all our problems are coming from. I think you, you see the agriculture did well, but mm. the industries, in particular construction, the construction subsector so a substantial contraction of mm. over, well over 11% or so. Yeah. And th these are the sectors that suffers the most when the business environment turns sour. When the business environment is terrible, the construction sector shouldn't surprise us. We know the problems that uh, will con construction in the economy as a whole 
both road and housing have seen because uh, of difficulties that we've had with the IMF program and other things. So that, that part doesn't surprise me, but I think it also tells you that we have a lot of problems. It doesn't matter what the headline number is. Because if you look at the, that particular, the industry sector, except one, all of them contracted. Mm. Manufacturing also contracted. So I think the real sector is, really, is still facing some significant challenges. How do we navigate and, of course, how do we reverse this worrying trend, especially in the industry sector? So the, the general business environment has not been great. I think it doesn't matter how the, the finance minister wants to think that we've turned a corner. The business environment is still very tough. Uh, you know, there's high degree of uncertainty. I think confidence is still very low. Mm. So, and then the new measures that we have put as part of the IMA program have helped. I think the additional taxes, the increases in utility tariffs. So it appears that businesses are going to have to weather a storm because it doesn't appear that the things that are contributing to the difficulties, the government is planning to ease them anytime soon. So, you know, these are storms that the businesses have to ride out and then hope that... Uh, you know, wherever help will come from. Because, I mean, you know, the, the, thankfully the budget is going to be ready in a couple of months. Let's mm -hmm. see if the government has any plan to ease some of the difficulties that businesses are facing. But until then, I have to say it's not, it's not too surprising that, that we are seeing that. I think, you know, overall, while we are under an IMF program, these challenges will, will be there. We just have to hope that we are putting in place long-term strategies to boost competitiveness. So right. while we are, we are imposing more taxes and all, let's ease the, you know, the cost of doing business generally, and then we'll see improvement from those sectors. Okay, so um, Dr. Isumen, I would plead with you to hold on with me as I take this story and get your reaction afterwards. And we do know that government is set for its first review of the International Monetary Fund program from Monday. Now, the officials from the fund are expected in town this weekend for this major assessment, but how ready is the country and are we likely to pass this test? George Yafe has more. The exercise by the IMF is to track Ghana's performance when it comes to meeting those quantitative and qualitative targets under the program. Joy Business understands that the IMF will be using government fiscal data ending June this year to carry out this assessment. That is, has government been able to meet those targets when it comes to expenditure cuts, revenue mobilization, and the debt restructuring? On the monetary side, the Bank of Ghana has also told your business that they've been able to meet those targets that would help the country pass this review. The IMF team is led by its missing chief, Stefan Rode, and they will put in together their report and submit it to the IMF board after this exercise. If Ghana is successful with this review, the board would then approve some $600 million to be disbursed to Ghana, possibly by the end of November this year. Passing this review could also trigger additional financial support from the World Bank and other donor partners. All right, there you have it, um, Dr. Patrick Isumain. Um, are we ready as a country, bearing in mind our expenditure cuts, revenue targets, and what have you? Well, I mean, we don't have the luxury of not being ready. The, the review is coming on, as agreed, and, you know, we, we, we better be ready. I think, generally, we, you know, based on what we've seen so far, 
I, I would expect that the review would be positive and the government would have been assessed to have met the key criteria. Uh, so one area where maybe the government could have struggled would be the expenditure cut. I think this government has really has shown very little appetite for cutting uh, government expenditures. But, you know, you see that what you put in the budget was extremely high. Mm. So even a little bit of a cut should be able to, to help. So, and uh, it's passed a, lot, a slew of all these revenue measures to try and raise more revenue. And we've seen the Bank of Ghana continue tightening the monetary policy. And uh, we understand that the MOU on zero financing has made progress. So overall, uh, it's my expectation that uh, the fund will approve the progress made so far. And what would you advise government's posture to be as it prepares itself to meet them? Honesty and being transparent with the information. I mean, we, we, it doesn't serve us if we try to hide any, any, any relevant information. I think we should put all the data on the table and then be honest where we are facing difficulties so that we address them and not try to, uh, uh, try to hide anything. Great. Thank you very much, Dr. Patrick Isumin, for your time here on the Marketplace, speaking to us there. Now, the Economist Intelligence Unit has revised its projected depreciation of the CD to the dollar in 2023 to about 23% from the earlier 30% recorded. According to its 2023 updated African Outlook report, this will place the local currency as the third weakest in Africa this year. According to the UK-based firm, the CD will depreciate lower than the 44% recorded against the American greenback in 2023. Presently, the CD has declined in value by a little above 22% to the world's most important currency. This means that between now and the end of the year, the depreciation of the local currency to the dollar will be very marginal. The EIU reiterated that most African currencies lost substantial value against the U.S. dollar during 2022, and it expects exchange rate weakness to continue in 2023, albeit to a lesser degree. Sudan and Zimbabwe, which will be ranked first and second worst African currencies, will be among the weakest in the world in 2023. Meanwhile, Zambia Kwacha will become the best performing currency in Africa this year, with a slight appreciation against the dollar. Now, the Ghana Union of Traders Association has vowed to resist any form of attempt by the Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority for the persistent harassment of its members under the guise of under-declaration of goods. The union accused the GRA for intercepting goods wages on transit, a situation it laments is becoming rampant. President of Goods, Dr. Joseph Obain, made this known when he addressed the media. The 12% tax contribution from Asante Commensurate with the business activities in that region, as most of the corporate entities with branches in Ashanti and other regions pay their taxes in, national, in the national capital, Accra, as well as payment of duties. Furthermore, I repeat, the 12% tax contribution from Ashanti commensurate with the business activities in that region as most of the corporate entities with branches in Ashanti and other regions pay their taxes in the national capital, Accra, as well as payment of import duty. What we want the GRA to know is that 
Guta has no problem at all if DRA does, does its due diligences at the port and collects the legitimate tax due it before the cargoes are released. I want to repeat here that what we want the GRA to know is that Guta has no problem at all if GRA does, does its due diligences at the port and collect the legitimate tax due it before the cargoes are released. However, we will no longer we will no longer tolerate any such act of intercepting our cargoes after leaving the port. If anything at all, the externalities of COVID-19 pandemic and geopolitics have affected the business community more and we can no longer entertain any abuse of authority from any quarter in carrying out our legitimate businesses. As if that is not enough, GRA also goes further to frustrate members of the business community, especially traders, by sending what they call invigilators to sit in our shops and monitor our sales as if we are in a police state which perceives business operators as criminals. Moving on to some other stories, the social initiative wing of leading telecoms company AT Touching Lives has organized a blood donation exercise. The move is to ensure the well-being of society and champion sickle cell awareness. Speaking to Joy Business, Chief Executive Officer of AT explained that giving back to the society through corporate social initiatives will help improve the socio-economic development of society. September is marked as World Sickle Cell Awareness Month. According to reports, millions of people across the world do not know their sickle cell status because of the non-revealing nature of the trade. Here in Ghana, AT Touching Lives, the social initiative wing of leading telecoms company AT, is on a journey to champion sickle cell awareness. The third edition of the AT Touching Lives Sickle Cell Edition saw customers and members of the community throng the office of AT for diagnosis. Chief Executive Officer of AT, Leo Scalatus, explains the initiative. It's giving back to, to our society. Uh, we've worked very hard uh, to, to retain our customer base for the 30 years that AT has been here. And we feel that one of the best ways that we as a relatively smaller company can do that is by focusing on sickle cell and the sickle cell disease that, that plagues so many of us. And with the blood donation, we feel is one of the best ways that with, with a blood donation drive, uh, right now we're doing it once a year, but we hope to increase this to quarterly, uh, to be able to help our sickle cell warriors. And that's, that's why I was doing that, by touching as many lives as we can with what we can. And that's blood. Head of Brands and Communications at AT, Nancy Asor Asiedu Amrado, explains the impact of the project. So if you follow us on um, YouTube, you still have access to all these videos where we've got even patients telling us real-life situation about how they living with a sickle cell condition and how they are managing. We even had um, 
a woman who was as old as, I think, 87 years, who was still living with the disease, and she was telling us about how she was, or she's been able to manage herself since she got to know about the disease. So we've done a lot of education about it, and out of that, we give birth to this blood donation exercise. Principal Blood Donor Recruitment Officer at the National Blood Service, Ghana, Sophia Melis Blankson, urged companies to emulate AT and donate to save lives. So the whole country um, needs about 300,000 units of blood annually. And um, what we get is woefully inadequate, woefully inadequate, so down. When you go to other African countries, even those who are surrounding us, some of them are doing 80, 90% voluntary blood donation. Ghana is doing just a little above 30%. That is even um, um, before COVID. After COVID, it's even far lower. And so it means that we are not getting the supplies that we need. And so that is how come when we see such partnerships, we are so happy and we gladly hold on to them. It's Wednesday. Let's talk tech now. And with the release of Apple's new flagship phones and other smartphones later in the year, many smartphone enthusiasts may be wondering which smartphones would suit their preference. Today on Let's Talk Tech, my colleague Isaac Atase joins me in studio to analyze the trends and what consumers like yourself should look out for. And Ike, good to know you are on with me here on the marketplace. First off, what is the current trends in smartphones and really what should I look out for? Well, um, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting question, uh, mm-hmm. Pius. So now if you ask me that question, maybe I'll say in 10 years, or what's happening currently, let's look at performance, let's look at camera. Mm. So now it appears that a lot of handsets or a lot of smartphones now have improved, especially with the camera quality. And that's what a lot of people look out for. So if I tell you, for instance, that there's a new release, you may likely ask, how is the camera like? Is it yeah. as good as the previous edition? Or is it, is it bad? Or we compare cameras. So smartphones like Google Pixel are boasting that they've got the best camera feature on smartphones currently with the new release of the iPhone 15 as well. Of course, they are also boasting that their camera is the best. Samsung is yet to release um, the, 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 the newer version mm. that will be early next year. And certainly you are going to see some you know, improvement, especially in camera. Also, one thing that uh, you should look out for is the performance. And so, you know, um, how good is the phone in terms of user experience? Now, a lot of the phones we have now are, you know, equally as good as some desktops and some laptops as well. And so, yes, you can do a lot with your phone. But it's interesting how the trends have been over the years. Let's, 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 let's take a look at the next 10 years, for instance. Mm. Now, like I just mentioned, mm-hmm. we're using phones which is as good as, um, you know, um, desktops and laptops. Mm. What will be the next big thing in phones? And that's what people are beginning to ask. People are beginning to find out if there will be any new improvement. But two things come to mind if you ask me about the performance of phones in the next 10 years. Predictability, unpredictability. First one, maybe we can predict, especially with the trends, you know, um, currently with the camera, with the performance, for instance. And so we are likely to see a lot of enhancement when it comes to the camera. So some people are saying, for instance, that maybe we could see an introduction of one other um, camera piece. Mm. I remember when the three camera was introduced, yeah. you know, a lot of people yeah. you know, spoke about it as to whether it will work or not. 
who knows we probably may see another camera being introduced on a handset mm. or then the three will be improved to match the quality of digital cameras we have on our market so photographers and videographers can easily do or make do with their phones even though now they are still using it but it's going to be much better again we look at um, you know some of the things like performance you know the mm. new chips being released the qualcomm series also apple announced you know the release of a new chip with the the new iphone 15 and so we expect you know improvement when it comes to performance as well but basically when we look at the trend again from the last 10 years if we are told you that you know the evolution of digital or smartphones is going to be as what we have now you probably won't believe so let's keep our fingers crossed and let's see what happens but I'm telling you there's going to be a lot of digital changes a lot of digital revolutions when it comes to smartphones great and I guess with the unique features you've highlighted cost ultimately comes to play right Definitely, definitely. I, well, it's, it's, it's a huge factor here. Mm. And, you know, with, a lot of, with lots of the phones that, you know, have been released currently, you, you should get it for at least $999, which is almost $1,000. Mm. Unfortunately for us, if you are to convert that into CDs because of, you know, um, our poor currency, you know, you'd have to pay more. But at least from $99 or at least $1,000 to about $1,100, $1,200, you should be able to, you know, purchase one of these smartphones. But one thing I mm. must add, Pius, okay. is, again, with the digital revolution in smartphones, is how they are going to look, the outlook, the look yeah. and feel. Mm. So now you realize that Samsung released the Flip and then the Fold, and we don't know if Apple will ever release a phone which flips or folds, oh, okay. but... Motorola, Xiaomi, and all of the others are also beginning to introduce foldable and flip phones. So people are saying that maybe that's the next big thing. Question is, you know, how are they going to change it? What new would they introduce? And so are we going to have, you know, phones that can probably fold, let's say, twice or three times, that can fold to, you know, as small as this side, or it's going to be big enough? Then again, because of the foldable feature, you are allowed to have a bigger screen. So if you look at the, the fold, for instance, the Samsung fold, mm. it opens up into the size of about a tab, yeah. which is pretty much easy to use, pretty much convenient. Instead of buying a tab, which you probably can't keep you know, you know, at, at, on your cheek when you get a call, why don't you buy a fold, which will enable you with a larger screen to do all the things you want to do, to do even some of the things you do on your PC right on your phone. So I don't know, the, the future sounds exciting. Yeah. And also with the introduction of AI, a lot of things will be infused to enhance user experience to make it better, even with the camera, for instance. So the future sounds exciting, Pius. All right. And I know for sure that the latest release, um, Samsung is here to make, you will be getting one. I know for sure. I, know. I hope so. I hope so. Well, they are listening. <laughs> My colleague, Atase, with today's tech. Um, let's talk tech here on the program. And that's our part company here on the marketplace. I am Pius Kojobaka. Do log on to myjoyonline.com forward slash business for all the business stories you need.